one, and we're live. You're tuning to Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. Today, I have Leon with me in the studio. So, Leon fascinates me in the sense that when I go to his Instagram feed, all I see is plants. <laughs> and to me, I have never really understood the appeal of plants. My knowledge and my conception of plants would be, A, they always die in my hands. <laughs> B, I think they're all green. C, they're expensive. So uh, before we go into this, or before we dive into this particular topic, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, and please tell the listeners currently what's the count? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so hi, I'm Leon. I have an Instagram channel called Philodendron, uh, which is like a play on the word philodendron. So philodendron is basically a genus or a family of plants that I uh, was very into when I first started this channel. So um, did a play on words with my name basically, <laughs> and, and I asked a couple of friends, and was and they were like, "Yeah, spot on." How do you pronounce it? it? Philodendron, but like Philodendron. with a Leon and the, the okay. end. So Philodendron, Leon. Yeah, okay, quite smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when, so I, I got to know your Instagram handle through Dion and when I, when I was talking to him about it, is his name Philip? It's like, is it Philip? Because I only saw Philip and I thought that was your name or like, because I didn't know it was a That's a such genus. an old name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it works with Dion as well, right? Like Philodendron. Philodendron. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, so basically I just started this Instagram channel to document my plants that I keep and um, yeah, it went on to becoming more of a sharing session with people where now I currently do live sessions and um, I don't know, just have a lot of like conversations with people. Yep. Um, so what's the count currently? The count more than 150 less than 200 do plants you, do in you, my house do you have like an excel sheet with all yes things? i do <laughs> <laughs> <Spot on. laughs> so i do i do i do have an excel sheet okay. um i try to update it as much as i can what are the matrices so name and uh, so time. It, it goes by the um it goes by genus mm. to species to um, varieties of forms and then to when I got it, uh, when I reported it, mm. um, I think that's about it. Or oh, where did I get it? Yeah. So some of my plants come from like overseas. Yep. So I try to note that down as well. Were you questioning yourself when you opened up the Excel sheet and you pl were plotting in the names and everything? It's like, oh, I think I might have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because there's like numbers like the count on the side yeah, yeah it makes me kind of wary more wary of like my purchases in the future because like i don't want to i don't want to be obsessive with my hobby i want to try to this be, is an obsessive <laughs> <laughs> i i i don't think it's an obsession okay. right now uh yeah i i have friends in the community that have like hundreds 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 and it's then and they have like smaller apartments than me okay so yeah it's it's quite mad um yeah but basically i i have an excel sheet and it goes up to close to 200 i think fascinating yeah. uh could you speak on your history with regards to i guess uh horticulture 
and plants in general? Have you always been interested in them, or what sparked your interest? Mm, so. I think when I was very young, I remember. I, I think every Singaporean would know this. Like when you go to the Exora bush, you know what's what an Exora? That? No. So you know that bush with like a cluster of red flowers, and then you, the um, uh, and then someone will tell you like an adult or something that knows better, and will ask you like, <laughs> "Hey, free, free, like sugar, yeah, or something, free yeah. sugar, yeah. um, for you. Do you want to see?" I'm yep. like, "Yeah, sure." As a curious kid that I am, I. Um, they showed me the Exora plant, showed me the flower, plucked it out, and took the the stamen from there, and then it kind of like reveals the nectar, which you can suck on, and it's really sweet. Mm. So from then on, it just became a, a a big exploration for me for nature. Uh, I catch spiders when I was younger with Ooh. my Tupperware. Yeah. I don't think the Gen Zs understand <laughs> shit like that anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> I digress, but. Like, um, <laughs> Um, you know what I mean, like so catching spiders, like drinking, outdoorsy. Would yeah, you say that? I, I would say so. Yeah, I would. I like going out. Um, when I was very young. Yeah. Um, I like running around, playing catching. Yeah. Um, I like playing soccer on the grass. So, yeah, a lot of exposure to nature. Going to parks, gardens. We had gardens and parks back then. Botanic gardens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it still exists. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of bled through to my obsession slash interest. Yeah. Um, but it's only because of when I was living in Melbourne. Okay. That I wanted to keep plants. Did you go there for to, to pursue further studies with regards to uh, horticulture or would you, what was it something else? No. So I went to uni RMIT doing... Yeah. Um, a degree in communication design. Gotcha. So basically like- The furthest things from nature. Yeah. <laughs> well, design comes from nature, right? Uh, so- Okay. So I do I do see some um, similarities, but parallels. But yeah. um, I think that because I was living alone, I, I was mostly by myself. I kind of wanted to have some life in my room or you know, living with housemates, I don't usually go out with them as much as well. Mm. So I, I'm always staying at home, especially in winters. Uh, so there's winters was, in Melbourne? There's yeah, winter in Melbourne. It's seasonal. Huh. <laughs> I've always thought it's just like summer, summer and hot all year round, huh? Interesting. No, so in Australia, it's mostly seasonal yep. and we get to like zero degrees in winter. Wow. And in most, in some nights in the middle of winter, be negative five. Okay. Stuff like that. So, yeah, we do get quite cold. As in, um, Melbourne gets quite colder. Yeah. Um, where was I? In Melbourne. Oh yeah, true. So <laughs> like, I was living, <laughs> I was living alone, and uh, I needed, I guess, life in my room. Mm. So I, I. Before that, I was actually moving to... Sorry, it's not in chronological order in my head. But it doesn't have to be. Yeah, but basically, I was moving out to the next apartment. Yep. I had a... Um, my friends wanted to give me a housewarming gift. Mm. They gave me a succulent. The ones that can't die, right? The ones that, quote unquote, <laughs> can't die. Yeah. Um, and it didn't die for me, actually. Because like in, in season, like seasonal countries, like temperate countries, yeah. like... They like the dryness. They mm. don't like the humidity. So it plays perfectly to Melbourne's like seasons. Yep. Um, grew that. 
grew flowers from that was like rewarded with all of this like progress that it did it made and i was like wow i could actually keep plants yeah i don't have a black thumb yep so that's where my interest came back and i was like holy shit um i'll just go to a garden center and get two more plants and from two it became five it became ten did you know what you were buying in the beginning no i wasn't so i didn't know the names and everything i had to like google and like do those like plant snap There's this app where it's called Plant Snap. For real? Yeah, where you take pictures of plants and they try to figure it out for you. So and it's like the, the Shazam item. for plants. Basically. Wow. Plant identification. So you have to take the just the leaf or the entirety they, of the plant? They tell you to try and take the entirety. So there's more information together. And and it's something that is widely available. Yeah. Oh, I think you have to pay though on the app store. Okay, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't use that now, but... Because um, you have knowledge, I have gotten some knowledge. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess four years of the hobby. Gotcha. But, uh, I do. Yeah, I do feel that you need to n- know your plant, and before you start like researching your plant, and then you start taking care of the plant, right? So was it widely available in Melbourne to 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 buy plants? Like yeah, that? I think even more so there than in Singapore. Mm. Um, Which is like culturally, it's different over there as well. I feel like most of them grew up very close to nature. Mm. Yeah. While for us, like in the city, because Singapore in itself is a city, like as much as we have a lot of greenery and stuff, uh, the, the daily activities that we do don't really require us being in fully in nature. Yep. But for in a, but in Melbourne, in at least, I think. Most of them came from the the suburbs that are really far from the city, and then they move into the yep. city when they get into uni or they yep. work. So, yeah, they have more exposure to nature and they have more appreciation for that. So you kind of want to bring the, that nature back into the city. Yep. So you see a lot of garden centers, plant shops, boutique shops, um, nurseries in and around the city. Have you ever been to camping on that tour? Uh, in Melbourne, yes. In Singapore, no. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I feel like no one here really cares much about it. I think about it's cu- cu- culturally there, there, there kind of wasn't that particular habit to, to, to go camping. Hmm. And I guess right now there could be a resurgence because I think the debate in Singapore has always been. Uh, I guess we used to have a lot of land. Also, I hear. Uh-huh. But a lot of the land has been converted to for commercial purposes, mm. and I guess somewhere along the lines they realize that great buildings doesn't look very nice, and they want to infuse back a lot of the greenery and stuff like that. Yeah. So gov- the government, from what I'm hearing, the government and and parks is working together to. I, I think everyone knows this. Like by 2030 or something, they tr- or 2050, they're trying to like get Singapore bec- um, becoming green again. Really? Yeah. So that's why you see all those like um, newly built flats, newly built apartment units. Um, the buildings all have like they they always have a green face because like they they they're trying to plant all the plants on the side of the walls yep. and on the roofs. Yep. So that's I guess that's their efforts in trying to like green up the city. I guess. Yeah. Do you think that uh, doing horticulture is a viable, let's say, profession in Melbourne? And if you were to extend that in Singapore, do you think it's viable? Yeah. So firstly, in Melbourne, uh, I have, because of the Instagram account that I have, I've managed to make 
quite a few friends in the scene, right? Like in the community. And plant so, scene. yeah, plant scene, <laughs> <laughs> skate scene, plant yeah. scene, whatever not. Yeah. But um, they, they, they have societies that they work under, right? Like the orchid society or like, it's mostly based around a certain kind of genus of plants. So like yep. orchids, begonias, aeroids and stuff like that. Yep. So the list goes on. And most of them have a lot of co- uh, huge contributions to the environment mostly. Um, like the specific genus? Yeah, so okay. they, like a, a lot of it comes to, uh, has to do with conservation. So a lot of them are, are trying to save plants that are either extinct already or like mm. extinct in the wild, um, but still in, captive, uh, in cultivation yep. or it's almost extinct. So these are the societies that are trying to like build up the plants again and yep. kind of like inform the future generations that we should be i guess protecting these yeah like, i think one of the questions i had in mind was can certain types of plants and species go extinct because uh insects can mm-hmm. uh reptiles mammals possibly i think but plants i never really considered the fact that plants could go extinct yeah, there, I mean, there's so many kinds of plants out there and I think for each plant, it contributes to the ecosystem around it, right? So mm. I think what we can kind of like picture in our heads is that it all starts with the foundation, the ground, the soil, oh, okay. the mushrooms, yep. and all these built up this ecosystem where you have trees and plants and yep. the shrubbery and stuff like that. Yep. And then animals come in and inhabit those ecosystems. And then humans come in and destroy that. Yeah. So um, if you destroy that fundamental layer in any ecosystem, um, you're, you're at risk of destroying everything. So as we know, like in Indonesia with, you know, the yearly smoking, <laughs> smogging or whatever not um, in September or something, yep. was it? Yeah. Um, they're burning the forest down. Yep. And, and I think it's in, Kalimantan, I think that's the area where they are mostly burning at. And in Kalimantan alone, there's a lot of um, plants that have gone extinct already. As we are speaking, there yeah. are plants that are going extinct already, and we don't even we're, we're not even we're, we're we're not even there. We're not even there to understand how did this plant even come about because it's already gone. Mm. So science can't even have a step forward to try and understand. Um all these amazing variety of plants um, because they're just all burnt away. They, they were never found. Yeah, they were never yep. found. So um, it's a race. It's really a race to kind of trying to save these plants and in turn saving, you know, the next layer and the next layer, yep. which is the animals, the insects to the animals and for us, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is conservation something that you have always been uh, strongly advocating for or is it as as you develop uh, your, your interest and your hobby as you go deeper into it you realize that there's this gaping problem that no one's no one seems to be aware of i think before this hobby i was already aware i was already aware of of the conservation efforts and what generally what we need to do you know when we were growing up people like use less plastic or like reduce reuse recycle <laughs> the, the and, yeah yeah and etc and i'm just like yeah sure like these are examples of how you can kind of 
help in a certain way. But as I as I delve deeper into my hobby, I I I got more interested in, like you said, like advocating, uh, what I know. And I know that I don't know much at all, to mm. be honest, as a hobby hobbyist. Um, but I do feel there's no there's no shame or there's no um, there's no way moving forward but to talk about it. You need to create a conversation, and like you're right, like I do advocate on stuff like that, even with amongst my hobbyists, because they're, they're kind of some of them are just unaware of these. Yep, they they're just in it for the hype or in it for the plants that they keep and that's it. Yep. They don't go further than the in uh than their own plants. Gotcha. And I feel that's really sad because um I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone told you this, but I feel like us keeping plants indoors is like Can't a prison for do. plants. Yeah. Same with pets and, and insects, same with pets, yeah, and I have yeah. I have a very strong view in that which a lot of it's it's a very un- unpopular opinion to many people whom I've spoken to, and then they some of them even like react really emotionally with that, you know, because they have a huge emotional connection with their mm. plants or like their dogs and cats. Yep. But objectively, if you really think about it, like you're holding them in prison. Yep. And um, it's not really fair, so. The, to me, the best that I can do is if I'm doing this, like prison cell, <laughs> like I'm like keeping them out of their, uh, you know, their natural habitat. The yeah. least I can do is to contribute to that nat- said natural habitat mm-hmm. by, you know, donating to um, charities or funds that would, you know, like there's like tree.com or something. I can't remember tree. the website. Tree.com, yeah, for real. Tree, like T-R-E-E. <laughs> <laughs> a stupid domain yeah. name man. no but it's a huge it's a huge association right where they depend on funds okay yeah where a dollar a month is a tree being planted on earth it, there was a recent campaign right I think yeah. there's a lot of YouTubers uh, contributing to, to it or something mm-hmm. yeah. and and these are actually true it's not a scam or anything like they actually do do that and I'm also thinking of like volunteering my time to plant like literally plant those trees because I don't know, like, donating money is one thing, but, like, to actually do the work is another. So, yeah, these are the kinds of things that I think about, which I I sometimes think, like, my hobbyist friends don't really think about much. Has has it ever informed uh, your purchases? What I mean by that is, um, let's say you you are aware of all this, and if there's this particular uh, plant that you want, but you, you, you refrain from it because of certain implications. Yes, yes, yes. So... Um, there's this whole hype about there's a hype uh, there's there's two layers of this hype right now okay. with the with the plant industry the horticultural industry yep. which is to keep plants mm. and hoard them and then the second layer is the people who collect rare plants so like, they are okay slow down um <laughs> so today I finally realized that you can there is okay there is a plant scene you can have hype plants <laughs> and they are rare plants okay please continue I okay. can I can see that you're like shocked I'm like trying to, I'm trying to yeah. make the, 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 the connection yeah like, organize yeah. the information yeah. ahead yeah so basically just think of it like like a commodity right like mm. like same with streetwear like you have the hyped up stuff like Supreme and shit like that and then you have the 
the basic stuff that people go for like vans and converse and stuff so next like thing that. you tell me you're gonna tell me like there's, there's like this black market or like a active second second hand trading platform or something well i'm not i'm i'm not well informed in this but i do believe that there are such a thing like po- there are poachings mm. so you know how po- there are animal poachings yes. there are plant poachings as well because plants some plants take hundreds and thousands of years to grow yep and they're in the wild yep and people need to make money in very in poorer countries yes. so they are forced to pluck that out of the ground, a thousand euro plant to sell for a decent amount of you know money yep. for their family and kids. Yep. And if you think about it, yeah, sure, he's just trying to survive. But holy shit, like that plant is forever around. gone yep. from the natural habitat to some weird ass rich collector yep. that wants to collect them all like Pokemon. Yep. I think that's so unfair. So to the question that you just asked, I think that I don't choose plants that I know and I, I do my research first that is well into the realms of extinction mm. are, you know, maybe it's rare, but at least it's in cultivation and I can still think about buying it. Yep. Even though it's expensive, I will still pay for it because it's rare. But if it's not even in cultivation, it's very hard to cultivate. Like s- certain plants only produce seed, uh, only produce fruits once a year and things like that and then in each fruit they only have a certain amount of seeds so that means their reproduction cycle is very long it takes very long for them to grow another plant yep so those plants i try to stay away and um i know of i know of um friends in melbourne as well that collected these plants and then realized after that they are in an industry where poaching is 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 very prevalent and then they stopped mm. yeah. i would imagine I, I, I would imagine that the problem let's say poaching is kind of aggravated by social media mm. would you would you would you uh, i think a catalyst yeah mm. like people want things like in instagram like i see this plant you know it's like i see this shirt i yeah. want this shirt yeah it, it was worn by a celebrity i'm gonna buy it Mm-mm. where do i get it i'll pay anything yep. my mom's rich yep Plants are the same. It's the same thing where like, like some famous plant Instagrammer is famous like- Famous plant Instagrammer. Yeah, you hear that, All right? right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, famous like few hundred K followers, yeah. right? You know, following about plants and like their care tips and stuff like that. And yep. then they're like, this is so easy to grow. It's rare, but it's so easy. You guys need to get it, you know, that kind of thing. And everyone just wants it because it looks pretty. Um, this social proof- has been saying that this is easy to take care and I'm just a hobbyist, a newbie. Maybe I'll buy it. I'm rich anyway. Yep. So then they buy it and they don't know the implications behind it because it wasn't introduced in the first place. Yep. These people in power or like, you know, quote unquote power, like influencers, hasn't, or at least haven't had the thought of introducing the plant more in, in detail and a more environmental point of view, which it's a it's a pity, in my opinion. Kind of aggravates the problem. Yeah, which if someone were to say that people would buy it, and if it's already not in circulation because it's not reproducing as much, then the, the it would just uh, propagate it faster to extinction. Yes, precisely. Um, how does one determine the value slash rarity of a of a particular type of species? What are the contributing factors? Uh all right. So <clears throat> does it have to look good? 
is is that the only factor that that is one right now where it's like if it looks really good if it's uh we we there's one thing called variegation have you heard of that word so variegation is basically the varied form of the same plant so like if you have a green leaf a green heart-shaped leaf a green heart-shaped leaf okay yeah and then a variegated form of these this plant a green heart-shaped leaf plant is a green heart-shaped leaf with white splotches that looks like paint on it oh okay that is rare because it's a mute uh, it's a quote-unquote a mutated form right mm. like it, ne- it sometimes it naturally happens sometimes mm. it's man-made so it can be man-made it can be induced with chemicals that could create those um, appearances. But on you leaves. wouldn't really know unless you a temper with it or it just naturally happens. Yeah. So in the horticultural business, people do temper with plants a lot because there's demand for because there's demand for those variegations. Okay. And uh, at this point of time, you know, there's even a hashtag called Team Variegated. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds silly, right? But like it's true. Like people want to have these plants and. Yep people start collecting specifically for just variegated plants and 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 I can understand it because it's rare or it's it's uh highly sought after by other people or like it's it's non-mainstream they want to they want to look different right mm-hmm. and then they post it on social media and they're like holy shit my whole feed <coughs> is just like splotches of paint on leaves you know like <laughs> I'm getting so many followers because of it you know Interesting. all this cloud you know? yeah like so um, that's one. That's one criteria. That's also just because it's um, close to extinction um, that it's highly sought after because there's only a few left. Yep, yep. So they are priced very high. And if it's very um, rare in cultivation in private collectors as well, then that can go very high. It can go up to the thousands, thousands of dollars for a singular plant. When you say singular plant, uh, I don't have any conception of it. Is it a single stalk with leaves or what are we talking about it it could be any plant right um in my head for for example a like one that would be very far from cultivation would be some pecopodium species pecopodium is basically the one i told you about the poaching mm-hmm. um they poach a lot in madagascar and in africa these huge cordex plants cordex meaning huge big like trunks that fill up with water like Mm -hmm. the baobab tree Mm -hmm. have you heard of the baobab tree very very long time ago but it's like a huge swelled up stem okay and then leaves on the top okay yeah and they contain water so that's why when africa goes dry like a like a drought they can survive yep so they take very long to grow that cordex they take hundreds thousands of years and um, to get the seed, to grow it in cultivation takes a lot of time. So with all of that man time, man labor and, and the rarity of the seed, it could go upwards to $1,000, 2000 3000 you name it, that kind of thing. I don't have the specifics because I don't buy stuff like that, but... You look at it from far? <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just admire from <clears throat> far. Um, there's also things like... Uh, the maturity of the plant. So mm. let's say you you buy a small cactus from a nursery. That mm-hmm. could cost you like two, three dollars yep. in Singapore. Those fancy ones in IKEA is like four to five dollars. <laughs> uh, that doesn't survive for you. And then 
um, you go to like specialty um, nurseries where they only grow cactuses and stuff and they grow really huge ones tall mm. ones that go like two meters four meters tall two meters yeah in Singapore yeah there are huge cacti okay yeah and these cactus or cacti uh, can go very high as well because it takes very long to grow mm. again it's the maturity yeah so I guess with okay with, with with something like that because I was I was I was questioning like why why would maturity contribute to its value? Is it because of the way it grows and it has a certain appeal? It all comes down to the I appeal. think it's the time. Okay. Yeah. Some some plants are older than you. Mm. And to to put a value the same as the one that's only five years old is ludicrous, right? Like um like a vintage shirt and a there's value over time, like a wine, like an aged wine. So, um, yeah, people pay for the time spent to grow that plant. And like um, to, to grow it well in that time spent as well is another thing. Um, there's this whole thing about bonsai, right? I was just about to say yeah. that. Yeah. So the Japanese work really hard to create a structure a structural like art piece mm. from a, a sapling of a tree mm. or a stem cutting from a tree and that takes years they, that takes like a lot of their time to sell that plant yep yep to eventually sell that plant so obviously it's going to cost very high and people who appreciate that time and effort that dedication will pay that price is it is it something that you you have tried it yourself with regards to bonsai no. <laughs> is, 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 okay. When, when, when you look at that, is it the same uh, practices that you have done, but differently or are they doing something different? Because I think the, I think culturally and uh, as an art form for, for I think bonsai making or bonsai, I think it's very interesting. Um, there's, I think I saw this particular video on YouTube. There was this lady uh, working on show pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think she was talking about the fact that uh, certain pieces could, could take years. I think I don't know if it's a decade or not, but it could take years just to just to develop one piece. And even up to even as experienced as she is, she has no idea how the thing would turn out. And I think that that is a very interesting um, art experiment. It is art in a very very like o- organic sense. Yeah, I think I think it comes out and in of that control, right where. You know how they actually um, kind of will the tree into whatever they want to look like is through the growing season. So in Japan, there's seasons of summer and winter. In summer, they start growing again, and that's where the young shoots come out from the the existing stem, mm-hmm. uh, exist yeah existing stems and branches, and that's where you're able to bend those yep. wires to bend it to your will to however shape you want. And after the growing season, it hardens. Um, and then it goes to winter and then it drops the leaves and then it starts over mm. again. So the, the time spent to do that and to also kind of understand where the sun comes from and where the leaves are facing is an art form in itself. And she can't control that. Yep. And that's the beauty of it because you can't control it. You, as much as you want to control everything, you can't. Mm. And I think that's that's what people appreciate. Do, do you have one in your collection? A bonsai? No. I, I, I feel like 
I feel like that's a stereotypical hobby for like the old uncles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll check back in 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> I do think they, they, they take a lot of effort and I don't, I don't have the time right now to do that. Mm. So that's why it's an old uncle hobby because when you're a retiree, you get to spend a lot of time with your plants. So you're saying you don't spend a lot of time with your plants right now? I, I do, but not the kind that you can spend like every single minute just looking at it but even if you have you okay let's say uh you have 150 different types of plants you order them for two minutes each that is 300 minutes <laughs> yo <laughs> uh i don't know i actually haven't it's so interesting that you said that because i haven't timed myself watering before maybe i should do that great content but <laughs> but i think that I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, the amount of time I spend when I see uncles doing the thing that they do for bonsai, is it, it has a lot of effort and a lot of um, dedication. Yeah. And and um, you need to pay attention to the growth as much as possible because you're trying to control that growth. But for my plants that I usually grow, you don't really control their growth too much. They just grow on their own. I don't really care too much about that. Mm. So if they are climbing species or climbing genus, they just climb. I just give them a pole and then they can just climb. Interesting. You know, if they're next to a wall, they can just climb on the wall. If they're not a climbing species, then they just trail or like they just clump. Yeah, there's just many different growth habits and like they're not really, I don't really need to wire them to my my liking. Yep. So I guess that's the part. That's the difference. That's the difference, yeah. So go- going back to you, um, after Melbourne and you came back to Singapore did you bring your plants over and in let's say during that, that time you were in Melbourne mm. how many plants did you kill oh. because as a beginner because I think one of the, the like like pets okay maybe not so pets but I think plants are interesting because if you they're a bit unpredictable because they they don't give you expressions they, they don't make sounds I hope they, they don't talk to you they have, you, have, you have no um, tangible way of quote-unquote communicating with them. And they, it's, 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 it's hard to determine whether it is doing well, it is not doing well. So I would imagine as you, you started, as you got your, your friends gave you the succulent and you bought two more and you bought more, I would imagine the journey is, is a lot of trial and error. Mm. Yeah, 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 please. I think, well, I think to point that out, like what you're saying is basically... I, I don't have that emotional connection that I have with um with my interactions with humans and pets as much as faces. I have. Yeah, because <laughs> you can tell as yeah. much as a plant does not. Um yes and no. Like you said, trial and error. I feel like the observations are key here. And as you learn and grow with your plants, you start to realize that they like certain things and they don't like certain things. Okay. And they're much simpler to understand than you think because they only require three things to grow and it's the soil that they're in okay the water that you provide and the sun that you give them these three yeah that's kind of basic it is basic and but the 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 details in those three are crucial for each plant like the intensity or the levels when you say yeah i think i think like the sun it 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 has to do with the intensity it can even go to temperatures how hot it might be, mm. how cold it might be, uh, how much, how uh, the duration of the light that it, it gets, like how many hours of light, um, the direction of light, 
um, and and so on and so forth. For water, it's like the type of water. The type of water. Yeah. What types of water are we talking about? So in tap water, there's a lot of chlorine. There's like a lot of like other kinds of uh, mm. minerals that might not be as good for the plants as like rainwater would or RO water. So um, I guess for the the basic hobbyists, they just use tap water. I just use tap water and okay. it's fine as well. Um, there's a lot of like minerals that it would be deposited elsewhere that the plants cannot um, retrieve. Mm-hmm. And that's where there might be a problem after years of growth. Years, okay. Yeah. Um, and then soil as well. Soil is huge because you, you need healthy soil. You need soil that is basically quote unquote alive. With worms? No. No, so not... Okay. Not... Not that a lot. Not not invertebrates. <laughs> I mean, okay. you do you do actually have soil mites and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. there are things that that keeps the soil alive, like the macronutrients that you provide with fertilizer and things like that. I can go into huge detail, but please, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. But basically, you 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 can't have a dead soil because the plant does not have enough nutrients to grow. Mm. You can't just give them water and dirt and expect them to grow. They need to feed on things as well. Like in the wild, there's decomposition happening. When leaves fall, leaf litter uh, falls to the ground, it decomposes over time and it creates hummus. Yep. Right? We learned that in basic geography in secondary school. And this hummus provides huge like amounts of nutrients for these plants. And, And as time goes by, leaf litter after leaf litter, you get layers and layers of hummus which mixed with the current soil becomes like soil that's quote-unquote alive mm. alive meaning high high in nutrients value so and this is this is something that can artificially be injected through fertilizers true fertilizers but would it be something that you can cause correct halfway or does it depend on the type of plant you're growing cause correct meaning what meaning if let's say you get a, a certain type of plant and you grow it and you realize hey maybe the soil is not is not working is, you, is there still chance yeah. are, are they tenacious enough that there's still chance to hey let's try something different so that's where you feed or that's where you change up the soil again um, yeah there are many ways to kind of refresh the soil and one way is to repot it with a fresh is that why like, people report things people usually report things because repot plants because they are grown they've grown too big for the pot and they need an up pot so like uh, <laughs> the next size <laughs> what what would determine that a plant would be too big like the roots are when the coming. roots are called well, mostly when the roots are root bound root, so root bound. bound is a term um, which basically means that the roots are so filled up that you can't see soil anymore it's like you li- the roots literally cover everything and it's visible yeah, it's when you take out a pot, it's like one whole root ball. Mm. And then you're like, oh no, you're like struggling. This plant is struggling to get the nutrients that they need because they're searching for more now. Mm-mm-mm. So now you need to give it extra space with more soil and then it reaches out again. And I guess that would that would mean that the plant is doing well. Yes, healthy. the plant is doing very well because they're tenacious, vigorous in their growth. Yeah. Interesting. What was the question again? I feel like I digressed. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh! Uh, did I bring my plants back? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was what I was about to say. Yeah, uh, I didn't bring my plants back, and it's a huge story—not not a huge story, but I—I I basically have 
So for that one succulent. Yeah, it became 150 to 170 plants. In in Melbourne? Yeah, in Melbourne. Over five years? No, over two, uh, one, a year and a half or two years since the beginning of my hobby. So like 2016 to 20, actually 2016 to 2019. Gotcha. So like two and a half years. Okay. Um, and I, I sold them. I sold most of them. Um, just because I didn't want to, to, to bring the plants back to Singapore, you need to do a lot of paperwork <laughs> and, and you have to pay for those paperwork mm. and I'm not ready for that. So I, you know, and I, I convinced myself like the plants are doing fine here in Melbourne. I don't want to have them struggle through transit yep. and get fucked up. So yep. I... I was really sad about this, but I sold most of them and I gifted some of them to friends. Well, well, your, your collection in Melbourne, was it mostly store-bought? Did you, is, is it possible to to collect them from the wall? Is that a thing? No, um, I don't think many people in Australia, at least in Melbourne, um, pluck plants. Mm-hmm. People do that. So it's a thing. (laughs) It is a thing to illegally pluck plants from someone's front yard. I know fruits, but but plants plants? too. Yeah, it's it's quite fucked up. Like people, because of the whole hype, like people are really desperate for plants. Yeah, they 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 do these kinds of like silly things and steal plants from their backyard or their front yard. I remember a friend telling me about jacking the leaf of something to grow. Is that the same thing? Yeah, people do cuttings as well. So, so like, that is cuttings. Yeah. So people grow stem cuttings, you know, like if I want to grow a plant from my uh, mother plant, which is basically the, the main plant. Yeah. We call it mother plant. If you do a stem cutting, if the plant is, a, um, if they can grow asexually, so mm. I'm using a lot of terms here. I'm really afraid. That, yeah, <laughs> like, I have to explain. But anyway, asexually basically just means you don't have to um, bloom to fruit to seed to oh, grow again okay. you can just cut the plant and grow another clone of the plant and that's called an asex- asexual reproduction through cuttings so let's let's, let's try to paint a picture you have a plant yes. and you have leaves so you're cutting one portion of the leaf no one portion of the stem so you're cutting the Okay. So picture the money plant. You know the money plant, right? Like the vining money plant that you see everywhere. Yep. Yep. So that that's the easiest, one of the easiest plants to reproduce are asexually. Yeah. Where you just cut the vine. They have roots that come out from each leaf, right? Each stem that comes out with a leaf, there's a root at the bottom. Yep. When you cut the vine, you plant this cutting into a soil. Um, it starts to grow roots and then grows leaves again. So mm. you essentially created a clone of this plant. It's not a sexual produced clone, mm. but an asexual produced clone. And so it should look exactly the same as the mother. As plant. the clone matures, you can basically do the same thing. Yeah, and then cut again and cut again. That's how people. Huh. Um, so they yeah. all don't come from seeds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I did say I do not know a lot about plants. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so is when 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 you purchase them, is is this something that nurseries do? Yeah, so in the horticultural business, they, um, for certain kinds of plants that can easily be reproduced asexually, like through cuttings, um, they do that because it's the fastest way 
It's the fastest way to make business. To grow something from seed, it takes a long time because you need to grow, you need to germinate, you need to grow it from a juvenile form to a mature form. When you can actually just cut a mature form and grow it maturely already, like you're skipping one yep. step. Yep. So yeah, essentially that makes for better business. Does it harm, would you happen to know if it harms the particular, the, 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 the mother plant in any way? It doesn't harm any way because in... In the wild, if that actually happens, it just grows another one out from the previous oh, node. Okay, we call okay. it a node where where the leaf meets the stem. Um, if you cut this vine off, there'll be an extra stem that will grow from that yep. node and it will continue again. So it's, in short, it's very organic. Yeah. Interesting. So coming back to Singapore, fresh start. Yes. Oh, where did you first go to to restart the, the the particular hobby and the interest again? So about a year ago, I think I came back and I was really sad because I, I honestly I didn't want to come back and um but I had to come back due to my visa ending. Mm-mm. Came back and I was like, ah, oh, I need to like rebuild my urban jungle again. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, um, okay. Where are the nurseries? Because I, I don't know the plant community here. Mm. But I did have f- people following me from Singapore that when I was in Melbourne on my Instagram. Yeah. So those were the connections that I made. And then they told me like, hey, you should go to this nursery. You should go to that so nursery. So there are nurseries in Singapore. There are a lot of nurseries in Singapore. And he told me that I should go to um, BLG. And BLG nursery is located in Pongol. Interesting. Okay. And he said, like, you should go there. It's cheap. Like, you'll be surprised with the price differences um, in comparison to Melbourne. Mm. And I was like, okay, sweet. I went there and I bought, like, five, straight away, like, five plants. Okay. And, and yeah, it started it started from there. And um, each week, each weekend, I was just going to a different nursery because <laughs> I want to explore the differences here because yeah. um, it's so different from Australia and um, like just the type of plants they carry because of the climate or? yeah the plants that they carry um, especially the prices I was overwhelmed by how cheap in the Singapore. prices were here yeah in, in Singapore as compared to Australia because in Australia there's a strict there's strict laws in bringing plants over or bringing anything over organically um, that's why whenever you travel to Australia, um, you there would be a um, like a clarification form where they would ask um, if you have any soil in mm. your shoes mm. or like under your sole or whatever. Because of the ecosystem, right? They don't want to risk anything because uh, they have a very uh, specific um, ecosystem that houses a lot of endemic species of animals and plants. Yep. Uh, so with that in mind a lot of the plants that they bring in horticulturally for business um, has to pass through a test as well they need mm. to clean up the plants and everything you spray it with like I don't know some substance that kills shit and like <laughs> <laughs> and and with all of that in mind they have to pay for the paperwork as well yep. these yep. businesses have to pay for that paperwork and the process of cleaning so that could go up to hundreds and hundreds of dollars so when it finally reaches the market and and mm. mass cultivate and mass produce and sell it to the masses you need to recuperate the losses that you've 
you've you've you've you did and on cost yourself. Of personnel and everything, yeah. yeah. Which means that the prices of the plants have to be high. Yep. So that that means that most plants in Australia are quite high in price. Yeah. With any new introduced plant, it gets higher and higher. Mm. Speaking about nurseries in Singapore, are there uh, specific types of plants, species that can be found at specific nurseries? Or is, is it more like a general general selection? Yeah, how does mm. it work in, in, in that particular like thing? Yeah. I think I think there are different kinds of nurseries here. Uh for one, most of them are landscape, landscape? Um, nurseries. So people who who grow plants and trees, uh, usually for bigger clients like the government, like end parks, mm. uh, where end parks source their plants to beautify our country. Yep. Is um, through these landscape mm. nurseries um, where they where they sell huge amounts of plants at a time and then you go down one one layer it's the commercial nurseries where they sell very basic very basic plants that you see commonly everywhere what's that, a basic plant to so, you succulent <laughs> no so basic meaning like plants that are uh, massively cultivated massively cultivated yeah so like so like clones of clones of clones yeah uh, yeah like Mostly plants that are like in in historically very easy to grow. Okay. So uh plants like the money plant or the money tree or or I could I could go with names, but I don't think you would know. But <laughs> <laughs> just like Aglonemas, Diefenbachias, Monsteras, Philodendrons, like these are the kinds of plants, the common ones, they are usually selling them, the commercial nurseries. Mm. And um and they don't just um, grow a specific genus of plants. They have like the trees as well. They have like the woody plants. They have like the roses and uh, the azaleas and stuff mm-hmm. as well. So they grow a wide variety, but not, but mostly common ones mm. or widely cultivated ones. And then you go even further down, you get into specialty nurseries where certain certain nurseries sell a specific genus of plants and they sell it like and they grow it very well so if you want to purchase it you would just go to that specific nursery yeah but they usually come with a premium price or a higher price because they pride themselves with like their specialty mm. it's like going to a cafe and yep. like you know <laughs> it's like the analogy is this right because like it's starbucks or like Kopitiam. Alchemist or like or Kopitiam. Yeah. You know, there are reasons why this is priced a certain way and that's yep. priced a certain way. So they know their shit, you price higher. Are they priced higher? So yeah, those are the kinds of nurseries that are called specialty nurseries. And then you go even further down, that's where if you're really in tune with the community, um you'll know private collectors, right? Like yourself, like a private collector. I would say I'm a hobbyist, not a collector, because I I feel like I can't claim that label just because someone has to bestow it upon you. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I know, like a like a king has to like (laughs) knight you. I knight thee, the plant (laughs) plant enthusiast. So so if one fifty, okay, if one fifty to two hundred enthusiasts, it's not about the. It's not. I feel like it's not about the quantity of plants, but more so the, the 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 how specific. The collection is so like the word is curation yeah the curation <laughs> yes like like how how good they are in a specific plant that's yeah. how 
I would label them as okay. a collector because okay. they know their shit in a specific uh, like realm almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm just a hobbyist that has a lot of plans. Mm. Uh, but maybe people might think otherwise. I feel like, like, like you're selling yourself a bit short. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, these private collectors sometimes sell their plants because like, you know, they might have excess of plants that they want to like, you know, when I say cuttings, you know, sometimes they grow very wild and then they want to cut back mm. and then these cuttings can be sold. Yep. And usually private collectors sell more like plants that are not really commonly seen. And that's where you kind of like want to, you know, go for them yep. and be like hey do you have this plan yep. you know so there's a secret telegram group yeah it's like it's not it's not it's like low-key black market but it's not <laughs> yeah so yeah, with regards you to, to your collection um speaking about the species and the genuses is there a specific type that you collect or specific type you don't collect i think i mostly collect plants that are from the erisia family which is what people normally nickname it as aeroids Aeroids. A-R-O-I-D-S. Aeroids. Is there a particular reason for that? It's just a name that came from the nomenclature or like the scientific name called the Erisier. So like mm. usually um, family names end with a E-A-E. Okay. So for this one, it's like A-R-A-C-E-A-E. <laughs> Erisier. Yeah. And then because it's so hard to pronounce, yeah. people start to nickname yep. and become it became aeroids. Um and yeah, I usually collect aeroids because they're they are the ones that are mostly sold as plants that you can keep indoors. Because mm-hmm. they are marketed as shade loving plants. So you don't need a lot of huge amounts of light to grow them. And in apartments and in houses, you don't get that kind of light that you get in outdoors. So yeah, I started off with these plants. Obviously, I started off with a succulent, but that's not... I didn't get that plant. Somebody gave it to me. Is that like a... Is that like something that most plant collectors don't talk about, that they start with succulents? No, I feel like, again, with the specialty, like I have some friends that only collect succulents. I have some mm. friends that only collect cacti. Mm. I have some friends that collect aeroids like me. So uh, with the people that keep succulents, they try and stay away from plants like that i keep because they have very different requirements oh okay okay. yeah and they're afraid of like growing a certain kind of plant that they're not really aware of so what's the particular appeal with regards to this with my aeroids Aeroids. collection um firstly they grow fast they don't grow slow like a cacti (laughs) so you see growth (laughs) i see i like to see the growth i like to see that i want to be rewarded i want to i want to know that i'm doing well how fast or not well different plants have different uh growth patterns and growth speeds i i do think that you know a leaf could come out generally okay a rule of thumb would maybe in a week a leaf would come out that's pretty fast yeah huh Okay. Depends on the plant. Depends yep, on the plant. But when you go, like, if you go out to the other spectrum where, like, you're you're keeping a cacti, or cactus, sorry, uh, it will take like a month or two months just to see like <laughs> a, a centimeter of growth, mm-hmm. like, and you can't even tell unless you like refer back to your pictures. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not really rewarding for me. And I guess because I started with these plants, like, I got used to it, and then I I knew that I could grow these well. 
that I started collecting different variations or different species or different genus of this family. How, if you could paint me a picture, how, how, how diverse are we looking at when we talk about a particular like uh, genus of plants? Is there a lot? Are there still like undiscovered ones? And how do people go about finding new ones? If mm. yeah, do you have to go out to the wild and do stuff? Yeah. All right. Too many questions. Okay. So um, I would say that just in philodendron, just to give you a picture, just in philodendron alone, there are tens of thousands of species of this genus. Dif- different variations. We would call it different species. Why is it species? So so the nomenclature suggests that uh, it's the genus, which is... So the plant belongs to different sets, right? Like it comes down from like the genus mm-hmm. down to the species and then down to the variation or form of that species. Okay. So the genus is Monstera, right? You've heard of that word, right? Like oh, Monst- okay. Dion introduced me yeah, to so it. Yeah. Mo- like the, the typical plant is Monstera deliciosa, the Swiss cheese plant. <laughs> okay. Right? So I'm just giving an example where like the genus is Monstera. Yeah. The species is deliciosa and then the variation is whatever variation it is. Right. Mm. So the classic one, there's no variation because, you know, we're quite used to this um, widely cultivated form. So this is the widely cultivated form. But there are variations of that same species and there are very different species of this genus as yep, well. Yep, yep. So um, if you count all of them together, you, we don't count variations and forms in, in, the, in, in, in nomenclature. So um, there would be tens of thousands of philodendrons. And then if you want to count hybrids and variations, then it would be, it would go up to like, I don't know. like What do you mean hybrids? So you can cross- You can cross breed. And what comes out of that? <laughs> A monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can go into, okay. I'll give you an example of a hybrid, right? Yeah. Where, mm, an aglaonema, right? Okay. So, uh, an aglaonema with fruit. This this particular species with fruit. Yep. And then this particular species with fruit. At the same time, okay. You pollinate by hand or by you know your, the flies or whatever pollinators that you use, and then you get a hybrid out of it with the number of seeds that you get. Basically, that's it. It's it's like humans where we like have racially we have an Indian person with yep. a Chinese person. Yep. You will get what we nickname now as a Chindian person, but. <laughs> I don't know how inappropriate that is or not, but yeah. basically you get a hybrid, quote unquote, yeah, yeah, a hybrid out yeah. of it. Do they carry traits from both species or both genes? So with sexual reproduc- uh, reproduction, the seeds that come off out of it uh, will grow into small little seedlings of, of, of the two genes that they got, right? But sometimes they exhibit different kinds of genes. Sometimes they're a bit, they might be more of uh, parent A than of parent B. Mm chromosomes of different yep. uh, different pl- uh, parents so uh, when you grow that's why it's so fun to grow seedlings of hybrids because you never know what will come out yep and that's how in the horticultural business they kind of select and pick the prettiest one or the nicest one to grow mm. this is called um uh selective breeding yep where you choose the prettiest one that you think would do so well in the market and then you asexual reproduce it and you'll get the same clone. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So with sexual reproduction, you get variants 
But with asexual reproduction, you get clones. Is that something you've tried before? Like crossbreeding? No, no, not to that extent. Hybrid, uh, pollinating. I have not tried pollinating before, um, but I have grown plants from seed before and you can see the, the variations from that, even from leaf structure. It's not even about variegation or like the different um, colors that you might exhibit. It's like even down to the structure, even down to the growth patterns, even down to the internodal spacing of each leaf that like it goes on and on. Like it's, it's quite mad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know it's a lot. <laughs> it, it, it it is quite interesting. Um, yeah, in in striving to take care of the the plants you have, are you able to share certain misconceptions that people might have starting out, or do you remember certain misconceptions about uh, plant care that you might have that you would have to change along the way? I guess I was like you basically. I didn't know I didn't know the specifics. I knew that they need soil. I knew I knew that they need water. I knew that they need sun. But all I all I got from the information that I was given by the labels of the plants, like that was sold to me, was like, oh water once a week. Mm. Right? Give it bright, indirect light. And I was like, what is bright? <laughs> what is indirect? I yeah, know yeah. light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> light is everywhere, right? What what's bright? Yeah. What's what constitutes as bright yep, to you? Yep. Do you put it out in the sun and yeah. stuff like that? Is it full direct sun? Oh, it's indirect. So is it because it, sh- it shouldn't get the rays of the sun yeah. <laughs> forever? But I see it in the wild with yeah. the sun, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So you kind of do that trial and error and like figure it out. But um yeah, those were the misconceptions. The soil, I didn't know I needed it, I needed to change it. I didn't know I needed to refresh it. I didn't know I needed to repot it. Mm. And I just used the same uh, soil. And turns out that, you know, you can't, you can't keep the same soil forever because like it doesn't, like I said, it's not alive and Mm-mm-mm. doesn't regenerate on its own. So yeah, these are the kinds of things that I learned throughout the throughout my hobby. How many plants have you killed here? How many plants have I killed? Yeah. Oh, have you had, oh, did no. did you get to a point where it's such a you sad, just, depressing thing to ask? <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's a, a very interesting question because it's not while 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 researching for this particular uh, episode, it's not something I see. I see pretty pictures, yeah, pretty mm. pictures. But I would imagine people don't come out of the get go. It just come out of the get go with perfect plants. Perf- yeah, perfect plants. Yeah, and you talked about selective breeding, so I would imagine. Just conceptually, you grow or you 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 grow it, and it doesn't look "quote unquote" perfect. Then, what happens? Do you just let it grow? Do you grow something else? Yeah. Um, I think with the seedlings, I haven't gone to a point where like I decide whether or not I want to, you know, grow the ones that look pretty to me or not look pretty to me. I would still grow them nonetheless, in my opinion. But I like to point out on the the whole like people like to show their perfect plants online and they don't show the the ugly side. So, I mean, to answer your question, I've killed many plants. Many. Yeah, many because is more than one, but less than a thousand. <laughs> Subjective, I know. Okay. I, I just didn't want to say the number, right? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I've never counted, but I okay. think I would probably have killed 50. Okay, well, that's a relatively low number. To the amount of plants that I keep, yeah, probably. Yeah. But yeah, I people don't show the ugly side of their hobby and, and it's it's social media, right? Where like you always want to show something that 
you have achieved or that it's good. Yep. You, people don't want to show bad things. So mm. it goes the same with the plant community in, in on Instagram. And um, yeah, I find problems with that. I find a lot of problems with that because it perpetuates a lot of like perfection and like the, the need for perfection in the hobby. And and with when people are not aware enough, when they see a yellow leaf, they decide to like think of it as like, oh, I failed. I'll just chuck this away mm. and I'll buy a new plant because mm. it's easily attainable because I can just buy it. Yep. And it's very sad to see that because they're just not aware enough to understand that like people, like plants lose leaves, like how, you know, humans lose hair or yep, like, yep. It's, Ooh, it's nature com- isn't perfect. Yeah. Nature isn't perfect. And they've, the thing is they've not even seen how leaves are in the wild. It seems like they have not seen it where there are holes in the wild that caterpillars eating the yep. leaves you know, things happen and that's part of life. And I, 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 I feel, I feel quite sad about it sometimes when I see that. Is yeah. it okay? So the plant community yeah. <laughs> and the plant scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the plant scene, yeah. <laughs> assuming that they are within Singapore, is it something that you'll meet up on the regular and you'll talk and you'll share these an- anecdotes about, I guess, the plant? You'll meet up and talk plants over coffee? Is it something like that? Yeah, we do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> is, we, is there a particular society in Singapore uh, that that uh, welcomes uh, new newcomers in, into the scene like that? There are societies, like well-organized societies, like the Air Plant Society. The Air Plant so Society. The Air Plants are like Telengias. The hanging you, ones. Yeah, you've yeah, heard of them, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they don't need soil to grow and you can just spray on them and it'll grow for you. With Logically, them. it makes sense to have a society like that. But when I when I think about it, it feels ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's someone of, outside of this community. It, it seems very ridiculous, right? But um, people come and gather through interest, through common interest. So um, I don't see any difference in like yep. any scene, basically. Yep. Um, but with yeah there are like air plant societies there's like begonia societies begonia like different societies. yeah very specific genuses and and you have cliques like groups of hobbyists like coming together and sharing their thoughts about their plants or you know i go i hang out with friends as well on the weekends and like go to the gardens or go to the parks and just enjoy nature for what it is and talk about the plants that i keep and like you know share care tips um bitch about Problems. other plant people <laughs> and their cloud on Instagram <laughs> you know which I, I, I I'm, I'm, always, I'm always talking about it's not it's not even about being obsessive with like mm. this notion but more like it's just out of control and but I guess in general um, the internet okay let's not talk about social media the yeah. internet in general has been it has it has, it has raised a lot of uh, interests and it has made a lot of like subcultures and a lot of niches uh, a lot more accessible and it has allowed people to to just communicate even global gl- globally on their interests so I guess in general it has been helpful would you agree? Yeah I think it's very helpful when it comes to uh, retrieving information for yourself and sharing information with others right um, but that comes with a price as well because like I don't know like hmm people start to have a profile online and then that's where it starts to get very bad. Are you talking about, let's say, uh, 
sponsors and any forms of commerciality with regards to that or is it just uh, when they have a big enough audience they do not uh, impart proper information with regards yeah to when, when it comes to like uh internet and then when when it when it when it started to become a business when people use internet for their businesses ages back right yeah. in the early 2000s um when people monetize and that's why people take advantage of things and mm-hmm. like um they start to have ideas of like how you can take advantage of people anonymously basically and like with plants is no different i think that i think you know for example like a a plant business can put a picture online and say like hey i'm selling this mm. on ebay a rare plant thousand dollars starting bid and then it gets like two thousand yep and then they ship it and it's not the plant mm. and that's that's where you're like oh okay these these things exist scams and, yeah scams and i mean we're talking about internet here and like how how in relation to the plant community it's bad um you know if i go back into social media where like it's about profiles and people with a lot of influence um they get to decide what is and what's not and then what, what, what do you mean what is the one or what, what is the plan and what isn't a plan? No, no, more like, more like trends or like more like what they think huh. is, is good for the plant or not. Like imagine if it's a influ- an, an, an influencer with thousands and thousands of followers, yeah. but they don't know shit of how to take yep. care of that plant. Yep. Because they probably just literally bought the most expensive plant and took it on Instagram and be like, hey, I, I've grown this plant for five years. Like it's fucked. Like yep. people do that mm. in the community, and and that's a lie. It's 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 creating an understanding, a uh, misleading, and a community like that where a community is growing massively in the last few years as well because of the hype. Yep. And with with for me, I I grew plants for four years. It's not even that long. And I'm still learning as I go. But through these four years, I understand that that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. Like that whole like spiel on their caption of like, I've grown this for five years. But no, you didn't grow this for five years. Like I can tell from your pictures alone, I can tell. But newbies can't. Yeah. And that's where they're being taken advantage of. I guess with every culture these days, there, there is going to be grifters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you can't help it. But are you an optimist or are you a pessimist when you when you take into account all these things? Uh, the amount of people, I guess, hopping into this, like like starting slowly, uh, getting a few of things through, let's say Instagram, through social media, YouTube, even PlantTube is a thing. The yes. fuck. <laughs> so, do you regard this as a passing trend, or do you regard this as something like a passing trend? Yes, but it has taken root and it will just slowly grow because I like the pun. Because <laughs> I guess I guess follow up to that question is yes we have nurseries but I would imagine it it is incomparable in scale alone to let's say a place like Melbourne so are there other uh, avenues where, where where people can can buy plants because I keep hearing about this super secret plant place in Hot Park I don't know if that's something you would be familiar like 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 they have this uh, I don't know like a monthly or like yeah. a bi monthly thing. I was fam- I'm familiar with it. Uh, it's called Gardener's Day Out, GDO <laughs> sure. in short. Uh, so to, the, nerdy, to, the plant, to, the, to the plant community, it's like, hey, you going to a GDO or not? 
you know that kind of thing so um yeah it's like it a had, swap meet right no it's it's for sellers private collectors um uh, major sellers commercial nurseries as well to mm. kind of like put out their i guess their the newest and most like coolest plants out there and try and sell them and like put them in the market sometimes some of them are testing the market as well with their new plants that they they're growing in their own nurseries and that's how they kind of like uh bring awareness to, that there's more to life than just like your nine to five job. You can actually keep plants in your house yep. as well. So monthly, that was a thing till COVID struck. Mm. Yeah. I went probably almost every month ever since I came back from Melbourne. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because it's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a fun activity for families as well. Like you, your kids get to see like plants. And I think recently they added the animals day out. With the gardeners, gardeners day out. Okay. So then you get to see uh, adoption drives and, um, mm, yeah, mostly adoption drives, trying to like uh, bring awareness to the fact that there are a lot of stray dogs, stray cats, and even like unwanted animals like birds and uh, hamsters, rabbits wow. that people just chuck and uh, was saved by these um, really cool people. And, um, yeah, so for the family, like, if you don't like plants, you got animals. You don't yep. like animals, you get birds and stuff like that. So, like, I mean, birds <laughs> and animals. There's something for everyone, yeah. Yeah, so there's something for everyone on every month, and that was great. Um, what was the question again? Do you think um, this is just going to be a passing trend? Let's say within the next three years, nobody will give a shit about plants, and you would just be, like, uh, just a very, very tight-knit community, and yeah. the, the, the mainstream would just go to something else. I do feel like this will go on for a very long time because the hype has been going on for years. Mm. I would say when I got into the hobby, the hype was just coming up mm. uh, globally. And only in the past one or two years did Singapore like you know, hop on, on that hype train yep. and just like, holy shit, I can grow plants too because American YouTubers say so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know... I don't think it's a passing trend. I think that growing plants is... I, I Maybe it's a biased thought because I, I do love plants so much beyond keeping just plants, you know? Like, I love looking at plants. I love going to, you know, gardens by the bay by myself. I like to go to the parks by myself and enjoy nature as it is. So if the, if the trend and the hobby has led the community to love nature, this trend will never end, mm. I think. But if the trend is just solely on the fact that they can, you know, like I said, like the the whole Instagram cloud or like the whole fame yep. that they they crave for, then the trend will end. Interesting. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. Do you have any theories as to why that there is such a surge in interest? And I guess there's a there's a momentum swing upwards with regards to trends with, with people wanting like a slice of nature. Well, let's say globally, but let's say particularly in Singapore. Have you and your friends ever talked about that? Yeah. And I, I think we have a you know a general consensus that that a lot of the people that are buying these plants have a a spending power. Mm. That means they're working. B, they're probably BTO, have a new house and they okay. want to decorate it. Yeah. Because a lot of the new people in the plant community are newlyweds or starting a new family in yep. their new house. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's a fact. Yep. And, um, 
There's a very interesting parallel with regards to blooming and stuff like that when you talk about let's say new families and like a new Mm. a new path with regards to life because you are yeah when 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 you say that I just got that image I think it's quite interesting Mm. yeah I guess like starting a family and also like starting your plant collection can be. Hey, can draw a lot of parallels, right? Like you, you have a new baby, and but in a fire, <laughs> that's not good. Eh? Yeah, there's a baby. <laughs> it's a baby. The uh, answer is always the yeah, baby. I mean, I think so. <laughs> at least from like the, we can draw a lot of parallels in like a newlywed learning how to take care of their baby and also learning how to take care of the plants. Like there's a lot of parallels with that. You know, you you you're trying to understand a new person as you are with a new plant so emotionally that would yeah that would hit hard in some of the families there and like i said that wouldn't be a trend like i feel like they would feel a lot Mm. with this hobby and and i feel a lot with this hobby and i i don't think my hobby will ever end so it's like getting i think the words i have right now is either feeling invested not just uh, monetarily but emotionally Mm. or getting skin in the game really Mm -hmm. yeah the love for plants just will never die I think Mm. unless you I don't know unless you you literally killed everything at once or something I don't know like in a fire literally you just (laughs) say like in a fire all the whole collection is done and dusted and you're like wow I need some time to Let's heal. Let's move to fishes, yeah. No, no, maybe like to unpack and like, hmm, like, is plants really my thing? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and then you go to fishes, yeah. What, what, what have this particular hobby taught you then over the, over the years? Wow, okay. There was a question in the interview. There was the question in that, that email interview, but um, uh, I feel like they were there for me in my worst times in Melbourne. I I was going through a, a difficult time, uh, an amalgamation of like my loneliness there, mm. living alone abroad as a foreigner, and um, my breakup with one of my ex partners. Mm. Um, it it's a it's a it's a huge reflection of like my mental state and my my emotional state where um when you're suffering you don't care about the people around you or like the things around you yep all you care about is your uh your grieving it's internal yeah it's wholly internal so the plants you don't care as well and and when you don't care about your plants the plant shows with the yellow leaves with the wilting yep and um once you kind of get out and like, you know, like I'll go and have a shower. I'm still really sad and depressed. Mm-hmm. And then when I come out, I look at my plants. I'm like, wow, they're all, they're also sad. Mm-hmm. It's like as if they're sad with me. Yep. And, and, and because I, I, I connect with them so emotionally and, and I'm really attached to them. I feel like they understood my sadness in a way. Mm, interesting. So then I start watering them and making them happy. And then I realized that all I can do with this grief is, yes, I, I need to acknowledge this grief and, and run through that process, but that doesn't mean it should affect my life in general. So that, 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 that kind of like reminded me that I need to live my life, uh, while taking care of the plant as well. Yeah. And then, 
the plants help me with that even without facial expression mm. or or face uh, yeah you know, or face in itself <laughs> yeah they're faceless but you know they feel things as well i do believe that they feel things so like um, so we we can we can both agree that you you think that they are living things yeah they, they are living things and the environment speaks for themselves like if the environment doesn't suit them then they die if mm. the environment suits them then they live it's the same for us right yeah i think there, there is a i would imagine that there is a particular insensitivity with regards to plants because uh, uh different they're, they're, they're different from pets because they they do not speak i think they <laughs> they do not feel i think they don't have faces and there is no emotional connection like that but i guess from 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 the an- an- anecdote that you just shared um they seem to be able to to capture like a like a certain frequency or certain vibration when you do uh, spend the time to actually look and to take care and to meditate upon those particular plants. Would, would, would you say that? Yeah, I think this comes from it, it, we can't we can't we can't um, I guess describe this scientifically, right? Like if if you're coming from a point of view where where like oh they they're not they don't have emotions and mm. stuff like that they don't talk to you how do they feel yep. the vibrations that you speak of like like how do you how do you prove it and and i don't know i'm i i i enjoy the signs of it all like that helps me and understands how to take care of this plant but i do believe like like they do provide like auras or like mm. um they do understand what you emanate Mm, interesting. I, I I wouldn't even call it's it like energy. Sp- there? Yeah, energy, but not spiritually. Like I don't know. I I I I didn't I didn't really delve into that too much. But I do I do I do feel that they can feel you in mm-hmm. certain ways, and you can feel them in certain ways through observation because we don't know them as much as we as we know. It's interesting because perhaps due to my viewing history. Um, there is a lot of uh, recent amplification or even like conversation around energy and uh, getting reconnected back to nature. Mm. Because I think for the longest time, uh, perhaps religion, uh, mass religion, have kind of claimed uh, certain aspects of spirituality that is holy mm. or you have to be part of a certain religion to be spiritual. But I guess spirituality, there's a lot of conversation about how spirituality is actually very uh, natural to us. Uh, and by that we mean that there is a connection to nature that is perhaps lost uh, more so living in a specific area like Singapore where you do not get exposed to let's say nature as much or if you do get exposed to it it is a very uh, superficial yeah and I think going moving moving from that I think Singapore is uh, as we talked about earlier it's in a bit of a paradox really because um, from the inception to now there is a lot of focus on uh very practical means like you have to build these pillars of uh commercial uh viability you you have to because the the we were up against the the times were different really and i guess now with let's say gardens by the bay it is a paradox because a lot of the the nature in singapore i feel that we have a tendency to to like to beautify everything and we put a gate around it and you come in and you take a look 
there yeah. is yeah we, we we don't like that the element of let's say chaos with regards to we, mm. we always have to make everything uh very quote-unquote plain very level like even like even our sidewalks and we don't let it grow because it is quote-unquote un- unsightly mm. and i guess that is nature really isn't it nature there, there is a certain level of chaos to it and nature kind of knows how to 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 uh level itself out yeah that's so interesting for you to say because that literally is what Singapore is doing. You know, we pride ourselves as the green city, but we literally planted all of this. We didn't let anything, uh, not, I wouldn't say anything, but like most of our land has been cleared out for what you call, um, uh, what economical viability or something <laughs> like that. I don't know, but like it's to build up the economy for the yep. last 55 years. So like there's no, there, there wasn't any need to create said green city um besides being little free um but yeah you if you if you just compare with like places that are obviously bigger and they have more land mass mm. um like australia like melbourne they don't just clear out shit for like more plants to grow in it's, it's such a like you said a paradox like, a, like it's so weird to clear trees to grow trees <laughs> and then put a fence around it because you've just destroyed a whole ecosystem that was working and now you've created your own ecosystem that is very brand new. Not tested, really. And yeah. No, the thing is, it is proven in science that like when you clear an ecosystem and you build a new one, you've just destroyed thousands and thousands of years of 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 creating that ecosystem, go boiling down to the soil in itself as well, because you need to dig up and yep. like build your structures, right? Mm, like your conservatories true. and stuff, like the gardens by the bay, like the cloud forest, like the flower dome, they clear land or they put land <laughs> <laughs> to build that shit. And yeah. it's just like, you've created an artificial uh, ecosystem that is working right now. But if time stopped, or at least time continued without humans encroachment, mm-hmm. like we didn't do anything to take care of it, that would fail. That whole system would just fail while um oh. while old ecosystems would thrive because they've been they've been tried and tested for thousands and thousands of years of rain, shine, oh, earthquake, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah so it, it's so interesting that you brought that up because I've thought about that too. And it's so sad to see because the only nature reserves that we have are like the Macritchie ones or like the Sungai Bulo. Mm. Um, I know they cleared Mandai recently to build a new zoo, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to reclaim land and to create a, another ecosystem takes y- years of of zero human encroachment to like make it a stable one. And who's to say like a, a human created ecosystem is a perfect one too because you know, I, I've not seen any examples in the world mm-hmm. that has done that yet. Mm. They're mostly conservatories made for men, by men. So I guess there's a reason why when when uh, concept artists, let's say in, in specific types of media, when they think of, uh, let's say the future, when they think of, uh, when they think of specifically a future without any human interaction with it, it's always the plants that, that grow while they, they, they curl up on buildings. They are very unruly in a sense. There, there, I guess there is a reason why, because that's a very logical conclusion. Without mm. any human uh, actions upon it, that is how nature would, would act. Yep. But I mean, like, if you think about the artists, like if you think about movie directors and stuff, they've also um, presented the future of Earth as a post-apocalyptic one where there's no nature. 
mm. and artificial nature all artificial nature right and like i feel like if this continues on that would happen because there would just be no land you know that just fun fact but like in agriculture when they farm and when they produce your corn that you, you that you buy from the supermarket the amount of times that they kill and they grow the next plot and they grow the next batch and they grow the next batch the soil depreciates over time like i said the, mm. the soil has only a certain amount of nutrients before it becomes quote-unquote dead. dead yeah the amount of fake fertilizer that you not fake but there are organic fertilizers that you use will not suffice because at the end of the day the foundations of that soil or that plot of land that you use is depreciated mm-hmm. and that's when they moved on to the next land and when you keep moving on you start to get shit land yep. that plants can't grow anymore. Yep. And when we use it all up, it becomes that post-apocalyptic uh, movie that you watch. So it's zero sum. You will yeah. get to a point where you go back to the original piece of land and it's not ready. Yes. <laughs> yes. And some might think God created it themselves, but like, I digress. But yeah, um, I don't know. Like, Do you do you foresee that we'll, we'll, we'll see this in our generation? I don't think we'll see that. I think I'll, at least for me, I think I'll die early. So like, okay, yeah, I I don't know. So if no, I no bonsai for you. I <laughs> saw <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no bonsai for me. Gotcha. I, I would love to. I love to go to Japan to see the the exhibitions and stuff. Like I love the bonsais there. Mm. It's um, it's really a work of art, and you see the sweat and tears that have gone through that, but. Yeah, I mean, I've just seen a lot of videos on that and I really want to go. So, yeah. hypothetically speaking, how do you imagine, uh, because we, we, we did talk earlier about how Singapore is trying to inject more green into the city. Mm. So how do you imagine, let's say for the next 20 years, how, how would you, how do you imagine, how, how, how would you like to see uh, this, this particular uh, hobby grow? Do you think more, more, uh, more workshops, more activities, more, I guess the 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 plant day out, they should have it all around the place. They there should be more plant shops, more sellers. Hmm. I guess for suggestions, I do feel that people already are aware of like the nature around them. Hmm. I just think they they just need a little push in the right direction in um uh trying something new, like trying to grow a plant right like you said you you have, you've not grown any plants and like you might have some hesitance to grow your first plant it's like getting your first tattoo is like whoa like <laughs> this is so scary but but getting a tattoo is different you sit there and you 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 grate your teeth for the for the first 20 minutes and you just forget about it but getting a growing a plant it's it's conceptually different mm. because i think i have i've touched a total of five small succulents that all died and I guess you if you acknowledge that they are living things you wouldn't want to just get one for the sake of trying because that's really the the the, the, the paradox to it yeah. yeah so I guess the suggestion here would be to acknowledge the fact that they are alive <laughs> because people people buy plants I guess these days as a decoration and know that you know there are rules to this and they need to water these plants there, are, there is some upkeep you know they use words like that because it's it's a, it's a commodity it's not a living thing to them mm-hmm. but when you start to get more uh, 
I guess, try to be more emotionally connected to this living being. And then you start to realize that you feel for them and you don't want to fail. You don't, you want them to succeed. And then when they succeed, you succeed, right? It's a, it's a two way thing. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think to create the awareness that like they are living things. So, so that's why you care. If it's a two-way thing so if you get a promotion at work they get better sort well people are like oh they, they filter air for you like air filtration mm-hmm. you know the, the bad air and uh, in, you know the AC and the TV the radiation and everything they suck it all up and they give you good air so you're fucking good air your place huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, isn't proven like that <laughs> there is some scientific proof on that yeah. but that, it's so interesting because like when you said come to my room, mm. you know, I have a lot of plants in my bedroom and and the first, you know, to people that don't know a lot about plants, the first thought in their head is like, got, mis- got mosquito or not? Yeah, okay, yep, yep. False, false claims because like there is no um, still water, stagnant water there. It's soil, it's just wet soil. Yep, yep. Mosquitoes don't breed in wet soil. Um, and they say, oh, what about the, you know, the excess water that you drip on your drip trays of your pots? And that's where you clear the trees. Yep. You don't leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. all these tiny, tiny misconceptions with regards yeah. to it. Also another one where it's, um, can you breathe at night? Because plants produce, um, CO2. releases yeah. uh, CO2 at yeah. night. And if you have so many plants, does that mean you can't breathe or you feel breathless? And I'm just like, <laughs> again, false claims. And then I give them the example of... Um, a caveman living in a jungle and then they say like oh but the whole ecosystem is the is now the jungle so in relative to your bedroom it's you can't use that comparison <laughs> and i'm just like but i don't feel breathless <laughs> that's the fact I don't it feels feel like breath- someone just picked up the thought where they left off at primary school and they learned that yeah, yeah. and they picked it up when they saw it <laughs> and they just vomit at me and just like this is what it is I, that's how i knew it and i'm just like no 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 but That's but do you, but with regards to uh, keeping plants in an enclosed area, what about the AC? Do you have AC at all? I do have AC. Um, after I keep plants in my bedroom, I don't use the AC anymore. Interesting. I sleep with the fan yeah. or I hang out in my room with the fan. If it gets so hot like yesterday... Oh, like this entire month. <laughs> or the entire month. Um... I do turn it on once in a while. Or if a friend comes and visits and like, hangs out in my bedroom, I you know I try to be polite and be like, "Hey, do you want the AC on?" Because um, at the end of the day, like I don't want my plants to suffer, but I don't want my friends to suffer but too. The, does it? Act, I don't know. The, does it actively harm them and it cuts them back on their growth? Or? Yes. Yes. Okay. The plant suffers when there's AC, and the reason being, AC is cold, mm. sure, but you set it up to a temperature of. What 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 temperature do you set your AC to? Sixteen. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so my AC is not that cold. I've gotten a lot of reactions okay, when cold. I tell people that. <laughs> the exact same yeah, reactions. My, yeah. That's like freezing point. <laughs> my AC is like 24, 25, right? Okay. That's and not easy. That's room temp. But for me that's that's very nice and chill, yeah, right? Yeah. And and for the most for the most part, my plants that I keep can tolerate the temperature of twenty four and twenty five. Cause like in the wild, they grow of a range of like I would say in general like twenty four to twenty eight 
to 30. Upwards mm, mm. of 30 is a little too hot for them, which is basically what Singapore's weather is, you know. Um, but the worst thing is the humidity. Mm. So AC dries you out, like how it dries our skin out. Yep. And the humidity changes from in uh, from an average of, you know, 85 in my room to 50 to 40 in my room. Sounds really drastic. Yeah. It's very drastic. And it doesn't even, it just takes five minutes and it drops. And um, the plants that I keep generally need certain ranges of humidity. And what I mean by certain ranges is like they thrive in certain ranges, they tolerate in certain mm-hmm. ranges, and then they suffer in certain ranges. Mm-hmm. And in 40%, they suffer. Okay. Yeah. They start to... I, I don't know, present like slower growing patterns like where they, they take longer to grow because you're constantly turning the AC on and switching environments. If you really think about it, like mm. 85% and then suddenly your friend comes and 40% and your friend leaves and 85%. So it's like for two hours and it goes yeah, back again. Like yeah. That inconsistency um, is not what they, uh, how they grow in the wild. And uh, that would, you know, limit or maybe even like make them yellow their leaves mm-hmm. and, and fail. So... Um, I try not to turn on my AC as much as I can. Whenever a friend's here in my bedroom, then I would turn on. If not, I will never turn on my AC unless it's like yesterday. (laughs) 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 So, so, because I can imagine when when you want to turn on, you have to do like a mass apology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would, I'll be really, I feel for my plants really because like I, I, they don't need this shit. Yeah. Like, if if I wanted to turn my AC on, then I wouldn't put my my plants in my bedroom. So basically, they're putting off your bullshit. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, pretty much putting on my bullshit. <laughs> do, yeah, do, yeah. do you believe in plant whispering? <laughs> like, Is that such a thing? I mean, like dog whispering, pet whispering, I guess. Uh, I don't... Yeah, it's the same uh, thing. I guess in the notion of the energy thing, like, I guess... I guess there is some level of communication, but I don't know if they would understand what I say, right? Do you like, negotiate with them? Hey, grow faster. No. <laughs> I, 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 for the record, I don't talk to my plants. Gotcha. You know, I don't name my plants. I don't talk to my plants. Mm. Um, but I do grow in frustration when I when I don't understand what they need. Like, what does it grow in frustration? So like, if a plant is failing... And you can see that, you know, through observation, like yellow, yellowing of leaves, but you don't know why they're yellowing mm-hmm. or, you know, there is certain marks on the leaves that you don't understand through your not through my knowledge of my plants. Um, I start researching and then I try trial and error and then I don't get the results that I want from it. Yeah. And I start to get frustrated. I'm just like, oh no, like I I can't understand you. Mm-hmm. Even through like hours of research, talking to my friends that know more than me, um and um just trial and error nothing is going through and that's where i guess i try and like <laughs> communicate like what do you like I would, out of frustration for myself yeah, but yeah. Not, not really trying to communicate and say like what do you actually want like what do you want from me <laughs> you know like things like that and um yeah that's not communicating but just yeah. uh i guess that's the that's as far as i go yeah. Are there any particular types of species or that you would like to get into in the future? Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. I there are a lot of species that or genuses that I don't 
go for because I know I don't have the environment for. This is me being very responsible, even though I love the look of the plant and I'm and I, and I really want to have it in my collection. You cut it a couple of times. Huh? Yeah, and I'm just like no. Mm-hmm. hard no for these until I know that I can create an environment for them um, begonias are one begonias are one that I have some in my collection but I have killed the most out of like the 50 odd plants that I told oh, you I've killed most of them are begonias and I'm, I've had enough <laughs> I, 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 I'm tired emotionally tired emotionally draining and I just like, you know what? I'm not going to try you guys anymore. I'll just try the ones I have right now and then see how it goes. Yep. Until, you know, I recover from this trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so the shop cut you off. Yeah. Like, you can go back to buy. <laughs> right. And then, I, and then I'll come back. I'll, I'll see if I, I want to revisit it. Um, you know, there are plants like bromeliads. Bromeliads are basically like air plants, mm. but they don't necessarily grow in the air. They just grow in the wild. They grow in trees. So like they're epiphytic, like orchids. Mm. They root on the trees. They don't really root too much. They they spend most of their energy growing their leaves. And it's those kind of plants that they grow like in a floret shape where they can keep pools of water in their... Oh, wow. When when there's rainy season, yep. they, they keep the, the, the water in the plant mm. in this like container. And what they do is that in times of drought, this container is their reserves for water. That's cool. Yeah, so that's how they adapt. Yeah. That's yeah, how they yeah. adapt to nature. And and the interesting thing about this plant is as well is that in the wild, frogs um give birth in that water. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so the tadpoles live most of their lives or all of their lives in a bromeliad yep. till they're ready to form into or metamorphosize into yep. a frog. That's when they jump out of their bromeliad into water. So that's why you see in nature, like in Amazon or in Borneo or whatever. Bromeliads usually hang above a water body or like a oh. pool. So when the frogs um, start to emerge, they just fly down, like not fly, they just drop down. <laughs> plop and, down. Yeah, plop, <laughs> plop into the water and um, lead their next life. So yeah, bromeliads are one, begonias are one, you know. Even, and it's possible to, to get it in Singapore. Yeah, and it's really possible because tropical. Mm. They're mostly tropical plants or subtropical plants. For what I can research, the, the climate in Singapore and I guess the, the surrounding areas is actually quite uh, suitable for like a like very robust kind of ecosystem with regards to plants, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do think so. Like the humidity is the main strategy here. Even with cacti and succulents where people think like, you know, they they tend to lean towards the more temperate countries because they, they need the drier yep. seasons. Um when you uh when you want to grow cacti or succulents from seed or from a cutting um you still need high humidity because they need to grow in humidity to grow their roots and um you'd be surprised in indonesia and in thailand there's a huge industry in cacti and succulents and then everyone was like but cacti and succulents exist in in drier conditions, like maybe the desert or arid, yeah, yeah. arid conditions, <laughs> right? Answer, yeah. yeah. And, and um, yeah, it's not true. Like people cultivate these plants in humidity-loving environments before they set out to being a mature plant in drier conditions. Because yep. in a, in, when, you're, when, a cacti, when a cactus is young, they cannot take extreme heat. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
only when they mature then they're like oh I'm more tolerating of this this kind of shit so are there any particular plant species that you don't fuck with at all? Uh, um, plants that are poached okay so yes. uh, that I'm aware of that yeah. it's going to extinct or, or any particular poached. like species or genuses that you use you just don't fuck with just because of particular reasons other than that yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I try to be very open with my because I want to learn about all different kinds of plants but if I had to say I don't want to fuck with caladiums I don't know why just because I know why just because like people <laughs> uh, friends have been telling me that it's so hard to take care of and they're very thirsty I, I stay away from plants that are very thirsty Thirsty meaning they they suck up a lot of the moisture very quickly mm-hmm. that they need to be constantly moist. And in 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 hobbyists in, in in horticulture, like to be constantly moist is very difficult to achieve because you need to always be there. Mm. And with my lifestyle, I'm not always with my plants. Yeah, yeah. And um I I don't want to keep plants that need such high maintenance. Yep. So I stay away from them. So like caladiums, ferns is the ferns are mostly thirsty as well. Um, begonias too. That's why I fail. <laughs> but I love begonias so much that I try to keep it. Uh, I have tanks just for that. Wow. So to keep up with my lifestyle, like I can't always be with my plants. Yeah. So I keep a tank to keep the humidity, which keeps the soil moist. And it still die. And they still die, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. Like various reasons, like root rot or so. So, so there are certain contractions that you have to to promote to, growth and, and to create an artific- artificial environment to promote growth. Yep. No, oh, very interesting. I'm curious to know if you have pets. Currently, in my household, I live with my family. Yeah. Uh, my my two parents. Uh, we don't have pets, but when my sister used to live with us, we used to have a dog. Mm. Uh, but when she had a dog I didn't have plants because I was in Melbourne yeah yeah yeah. so when I came back that's when she moved out do you foresee yourself ever getting one? Oh. I would love a cat <laughs> honestly I, I I love animals too so um, mm. and because dogs are generally a little more high maintenance high energy high energy than cats yeah. even though cats have different personalities yeah. I do feel that I can just leave a cat alone and they can do whatever they want so in an ideal situation I would like to have a house with plants and cat and a cat or cats or <laughs> cats two cats maybe I don't know would you happen to have would that be conflicting uh, would, would, would cat okay would pets and let's say having plants be conflicting in a sense that they wouldn't know they would I don't know, a temper with it. So uh, when I was in Melbourne, I lived with a housemate and, a, and that housemate, she has a cat mm. and I have plants. Yeah. So we cohabitate, right? Cohabitate. And for several times already, uh, this cat has knocked down my plants. Oh dear. And has broken my pots. Oh fuck. Especially my handmade pots that Australian potters do and they're very <laughs> expensive. So... Uh, I do get frustrated, but it's not their fault, right? Like yeah. it's their nature to jump up and climb around yeah. and like and do silly things yeah. to get your attention. Yeah, <laughs> no, or not my attention because we're not at home and they just want to do shit. Yep. Yeah. Um, and um, I would say that's one, and I think that 
choosing plants that are fitting of the pets that you own is also good. You need to be responsible enough to understand that certain plants are toxic to huh? pets. Yes. Certain plants are toxic to uh, Actually, all plants are toxic to plants. Uh, all plants are toxic to pets, but there are ones that are very severe that could actually kill your pets and if they bite into it and, you know, ingest it. Are you talking about like common ones even? Yeah, even common ones. Interesting. Actually, most common ones are the ones that are toxic. Is this like known information? Yeah, yeah. They are known, it's, it's known information. Okay. Um, maybe some nurseries, they won't outrightly tell you that unless you tell them that like, I have a pet does this you know get in the way of oh. it so you kind of have to be a little bit more self-aware in this <laughs> yeah, kind of thing yeah. <laughs> I mean if you're if you're caring for an animal I think you would think about like how the how a plant would you know, react with mm. that like in their correlation I hope to so, it though. yeah I hope so as well <laughs> I hope this podcast reaches <laughs> to many pet owners <laughs> yeah, because that, that is something yeah, I never knew that some. Uh, I never knew that plants were toxic. Yeah, you know, to to pets. Yeah, I never had that thought before. Yeah, dogs, cats, hamsters, any 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 pets really, um, and in various forms. Like there there are ones you know there are there's this there's this plant called a Diefenbachia, hmm. right? It's a genus on its own with different species, but they're nicknamed as dumb cane, and there's a reason why they're named dumb cane. Dumb meaning D-U-M-B being dumb. So in historically, it's being said that when people bite onto those canes of the of the plant, they become quote-unquote dumb because they start to get like um, hallucinations and mm. their mouth goes numb. Mm-hmm. So that's why they call it dumb cane to, to let people know that you can go dumb eating that shit. Interesting. So yeah, it's like poison ivy and yeah. things like that, right? Like, there, there, there is some truth in the nicknames of plants. Yeah, the symbolic meanings of plants is—is is that something that you are aware of when selecting certain types of plants, or do you not? Is that something that you don't really care about? What do you mean symbolism? Uh, let's say a specific type of plant would mean uh, let's say patience would mean a, it has a certain uh, symbolic meaning like culturally yeah oh no I've never thought of that nor would I put that as a criteria to choose plants um, yeah like I said the only reasons why is like I don't like it yep um, it's hard to take care of in my eyes at this moment or it's being poached or extinct. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in in closing, two more questions. Um, let's say you were talking to an absolute beginner, which you are. How would you advise them to go about starting this particular uh, mm. uh, hobby? And is the plant scene? Is it a very closed off community? How well can people reach out? Can people just DM you and and start a conversation like that? Ask you questions. Got it. Got it. I think um, I have a lot of advice for newbies. I think that one be understanding of the money that you're spending because like more and more people are selling their plants with with a higher price than it should be in the market in Mm. the market that we're having right now so please do talk to your plant friends or like people who you know that has kept plants and have purchased plants that that you're unaware of and like they can kind of inform you like oh I got this plan for $18 like maybe you shouldn't buy that for like 30 uh, right like, things like that so that's price 
Um, secondly, I think that when you try and get into this hobby, yeah, like you do need to know it's a living being and not just a decoration for you. If you want a decoration, just get a fake plant. Like it's easier that way. A living being is a responsibility, like a pet, mm. you know, like your cat and your dog. Mm. And then some people will say like, oh, but they, they're inanimate objects, like... Which is exactly the argument, yeah. Yeah, the argument is that it's inanimate, like, I'm just going to treat it as a non-living thing. But like, then it's going to die on you and you just, you're just going to, you know, suffer in your failure and just like, oh, <laughs> what did I do wrong? But also, I don't care. <laughs> then why are you keeping plans? You know, that kind of thing. The, the question goes on with that. But I just feel like we have to be responsible with our actions when it comes to living things. Yep. Um, so that's advice number two um, yeah and um, for the community there are commu- there are cliques or groups that are very closed off and there are reasons for that but I do feel that in general now with the hype going on on Instagram you can easily reach out to plant Instagram people like me as well yeah. where you can just DM and like hey sorry to bother or whatever like cu- common courtesy yeah. they don't common, just demand yeah correct <laughs> <laughs> oh have you God. received yeah. things like that before so common courtesy is uh, highly advised um, <laughs> you don't just go up to someone and just you know like what is this or like what's how much is this fuck or, or like uh, yeah just demand for information yep, yep. You can, we could see as a demand because you're not asking politely and like I think that goes with everyone, right? Like online, just saying a little hi and like common etiquette. Like. Yeah, common yeah. etiquette. Hey, or like if you could even lie and say, "I love your feed. <laughs> <laughs> I love your feed. Your plants are amazing. It looks healthy." Okay, so you know, <laughs> the prerequisite. Yeah, is prerequisite. There. <laughs> and I'll be like, "Thank you so much. I appreciate it." Now let's get down to business. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Yeah, feel free to reach out to people online. That's the fastest way to get information out of it. If not, just research. Like, do your research uh, with the community as well as the plants that you're keeping. And you'll be set. I saw that there were there was a particular series that you've been doing on your Instagram. Mm. Is that like a podcast or is that like just on, on IG? Or what, what is that? It's an IG live series where yeah. I invite guests, mostly friends that I know of uh, in real life as well. Yeah. And just hang out with me like... I, the intention, the whole intention of the series is basically to bring everyone together. It doesn't matter how many people are there viewing, um, to have a conversation with us and like, um, to kind of like the people who are viewing are kind of like that third party that is like viewing in yep. to a conversation. Yep. Yep. And these conversations are so casual that sometimes certain <laughs> things just come up and like, <laughs> And I don't know. I feel like the people that are viewing appreciates that, that 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 casualness. Yeah. Like, it's not scripted. It's not. Um, we you know we are guided to a, uh, you know, like the first ten minutes we're just introducing or like, yep. um, you know, the last thirty minutes is for Q and A and things like that. Yeah. But all in all, it's very casual and it's just a conversation. I like to invite people into my conversations and. And, and hear their thoughts about it. That's basically it. The reason why I created uh, the series called Feeling Philo. Yeah, it's a tongue twister right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Philo in Latin comes from philodendron, right? So it plays on my brand almost, but like, because <laughs> uh, philodendron. But 
philo means uh, love. Oh. So philodendron, philo love, then is on, drawn is tree. Love so love tree. on tree, which is a genus of plants that loves the tree, which means they love to climb on the trees. That's why they're called philodendron. So I wanted to take that, you know, and and bring it to a series where like philo is love, feeling the love, feeling the love of plants. So do you think so I've done a couple of episodes with uh people more in tune with let's say uh let's say insects mm-hmm. or reptiles or parasites and one one is very interesting it's like the the latin name even though it's a different language but when translated to let's say a language that i understand which is english it is oftentimes very factual mm. it is not even like a high concept or like artistic concept but it's very very factual i think like what you just said like climbing on trees i mean i would imagine that's how when they observe it and when they draw it out it is what it is and it just carries down so is, is it something that people would naturally be curious about or does the fascination just stop at uh, taking care of the plant well enough or the plant care tips or is it just like a natural curiosity of yours to, 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 to just go deeper I guess for me I can only say for myself that I, I like to go deeper into things when I'm passionate about something I go very deep yeah and uh, I like that about myself actually because like if you don't understand as much as you can as you as you yeah as you as you as you can I think I feel like I'm not giving enough effort into my passions and uh, so I I delve deeper into it even I love fun facts so like when 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 people ask like what the hell is philodendron is that even a word you and bring out your like, notebook and right? I'm like I don't even need my notebook it's in my head and I'm just like because philo is this and yeah, then yeah. is this and then they're like whoa wow how did you know that and you like, walk out the room swag, yeah. you swag out the room like that yeah I was just like open the door and leave it hanging there and it's like bye but you know like I don't know. I just feel it's fun. It's fun to understand all of these things. And like when you're going deeper, it gets way more interesting. And then you start to realize more and more like how the plant actually works. Monstera deliciosa, right? Like deliciosa is, is the, is a Latin word for delicious. Huh. Monstera is monster. Did they used to cook things on it? That's a great guess. But so the two words are monster and delicious because the plant looks monstrous. It can grow in monstrous sizes as well in just the size and the look as well because it has fenestrations which is like holes and slits and everything. Is it the one with the white colour on it? No, it's the one with like heart-shaped leaves with like slits like that and then holes in the middle. Sure. So the reason why it's delicious is not because it looks delicious but the fruit actually is edible. Oh. But people don't eat it like like a banana would like you know like it's not commonly cultivated to eat in, in certain cultures they still eat they still grow that to eat but because they don't fruit that often yep it's not a accessible way to get Mm-mm. your your nutrients from yep so um they used to historically they used to eat it as a fruit so that's why they call it monstera deliciosa what about colors because um, as I said, I had this conception that plants were all green. I mean, mm. yes. But I think uh, in preparing for this, I was looking at this uh, this YouTuber who went to visit this uh, particular, I think they call him Kunzo, this Japanese guy oh. who has like a massive like greenhouse. Yes, yes, and, like, yes. Ro- I, I don't know how to 
say it, it's like, um, it is like an entire nursery, nursery or greenhouse filled with the brim, and they're like, there's like white on green, there's pink on green. Yeah, and those are the variegations that I spoke of from the beginning of the podcast, where people. Uh, where mutations appear in the normal Monstera deliciosa, where it got white in it. Right? That's ridiculous. I've never seen that before. <laughs> it, mutations are naturally occurring most of the time and, and mostly unstable as well. So when, remember I said selective breeding? So when, when a normal Monstera deliciosa puts out a new leaf that has white in it, you know, some, some historically, some botanists or some horticulturists was like, holy shit, this looks so cool. Yeah. Let me cut this and asexually reproduce and clone it. And maybe the next leaf would be white again. And then this is selective breeding. And then they created a whole new variation of that. Mm. And once you cultivate more and more cuttings of this, because you can never grow this by seed anymore. Yep, yep. Because mm-hmm. if it produces by seed, the mutation might be lost. It would just go back to the original. It might go back to the original or not. Because yeah, yeah. there's a variation again. Yep. So to there's the only way to sustain that mutation is to cut it. Just constantly cut, cut, cut. And you know, in, in in the hobbyist world, that is very popular right now. The white. That plant, Monstera deliciosa elbow variegata. It it's sounds like le- pasta, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so Monstera deliciosa. Yeah. Elbow is basically Latin for white, and variegata is just variegation. But some of the white patterns or the white variations, it's it's ridiculous. Like some of them like split right down the middle. Mm, and you mm. would imagine, you, you would think that someone actually painted it. Yes. And some of them are like uh, spotted. And I think that, I don't know if I saw a black one. Is that a black one? I don't know. I, I think Dion might have showed me like a black one before. But but there was like a black with pink. But m- maybe not oh, the Monstera. That's a philodendron pink princess. It's ridiculous. It's not black. It's more like burgundy red and, uh, and pink. And that's a... A cultivar, and when we call it a cultivar, it's just basically a cultivated form in a artificial environment, which is a greenhouse or a not in the wild. Basically, it, it wasn't naturally occurring. Yep. So we call that an, a cultivar. Um, it was actually from a plant called a philodendron arubescence. It's a okay. species, yep. a normal green one, but through messing around with it and hybridizing, it created a burgundy leaf version with pink splashes mm. on it. So sounds like it belongs in a care showroom. Yeah, and and these mutations don't last because sometimes they can just um lose that mutation, lose that variegation, and become normal again. So like you can grow certain leaves in that, and you just grow the normal leaves. Yeah, and that's where people start to cut back because they're like, I want the mutation, I want the color, I don't want it to go back to normal, and they cut it back. I think I think conceptually plants are very interesting, mm. but if you think about conceptually how interesting they are and how we come in and fuck things up and you we we, we want it to look a certain way if it doesn't we, we cut it I mean I bon- bonsai is like that too right <laughs> yes. the art of bonsai and then you're like oh Japanese did it yeah, wow yeah. how amazing and mesmerizing but if you really think about it like you said conceptually objectively speaking you're cutting way cutting their natural growth and um, you know depends on how you look at things really Depends on how you look at things. I guess we'll face a reckoning when the plants fight back then. Yeah. <laughs> like COVID, right? Like the, yeah. like everyone's growing again. So good. <laughs> are there are there any particular colors that are especially rare? 
plants that are especially rare like colors just do 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 people categorize and look for plants oh like that? there there is a thing right now where plants have uh, a blue iridescence oh i just wanted to talk about if if, if blue is ever a thing yeah. yeah so blue is a naturally not an occurring color in the plant world actually no plants uh, produces blue in their leaves like blue is kind of rare in nature in general only yeah. in blooms right only in flowers or yep. bracts or anything that has to do with pollinators they they're trying to attract different kinds of pollinators so they need to create a different kind of uh, yep. enzyme or chemicals in their body to create it's those functional, colors. Yeah. yeah it's a functional thing and then they die off it uses a lot of energy to do that but for normal leaves you leaves are uh, are made to they, they, they created leaves to chlor- uh, to photosynthesize yep they need to make food with those leaves so they need green yep without green they can't make food so these blue plants or seemingly blue plants are not actually blue they're actually green but when shown with a flash like with a flash of your phone or your camera they produce a blue iridescence that a lot of collectors private collectors are uh, uh, getting into and this is the man-made one? no these are not man-made these are actually naturally occurring because speculation again because like we can never really tell why they create these sort of adaptations but through bot um through what botanists have said um these blue iridescents usually comes from plants that are in shade in very Mm. heavy shade that to produce all those green uh is 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 also a lot of energy so in order to combat that they don't they don't put a lot of green into it so then the amount of um, light that they get, um, especially when it's dappled. So when I mean by dappled, it's like sometimes you get a lot of light. Sometimes you get no light. Mm-hmm. So to in order to survive survive and not get burned by the amount of light that they get in certain times, uh, they have iridescence or what we call reflective notes on their leaves. So like a coating, like, yeah, just a coating. Yeah. It's like succulents with their coating as well to protect their leaves from the from harsh sun yeah. conditions. Basically, the same with these plants, where they protect themselves with this blue, so that they don't take fruit, they don't make fruit out of it, so they don't waste energy out of it. And also with the iridescence and the reflection, they kind of like like reflect light almost. I guess admittedly, the functionality is quite beautiful if you if you, if you actually do do look into it and yeah. why things are in in nature with with mm. everything. So I guess in closing, um, what can or what do you think people can learn from nature, or just uh, this this particular hobby of, of of taking care of plants? What do you think people can learn? From oh, them? I think I think there's a lot of similarities, uh, with plants and humans that people would never imagine thinking of, just because we are so um physically different, like the faceless thing and everything. We're so physically different. But the way we lead our lives is very much the same. If you really think of it in a metaphorical way, you know, they're trying to grow, they're trying to reach for light, we're trying to grow, we're trying to reach for whatever meaning of life we have. You can draw a lot of parallels with it in whatever shape or form that you want. So, yeah, I don't know. Have fun with it and like enjoy, enjoy growing plants. Have you ever considered stopping it? Like, let's say when a certain type of plant dies that you've been putting so much effort in. Have you ever considered just stopping the hobby in general? No, I. The only thing that happens is that I would give it to someone else that can help take save care it. of it and save it. <laughs> Recently, just last week, I just like went to my uncle's place and be like, "Here you go, 
take my plan. Oh, is he a hobbyist as well? He gardens. He's a retiree. He just gardens. He has a front yard out of his terrace house, and he um, he just grows the basic shit. You know, the bogey, <laughs> the basic shit mean? <laughs> like the bougainvilleas. Okay, and like okay. Things that can take a lot of sun. Mm. So the plants that don't take a lot of sun, I take care of. And then I gave mm. him one, and it was, and he straight away he knew he was like shade loving. Okay, oh, I'll put it under my tree. And I don't know. I I, I like I like my uncle a lot because he. He doesn't know a lot about plants and the names, but he he has that knack for like understanding like, oh, these sort of plants need these sort of conditions. These sort of plants need these sort of conditions. Purely true experience. Purely true experience. It's, it's amazing. You, you learn a lot from like the oldies. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, in closing, where can people find you? Uh, please plug uh, <laughs> your channels. Shameless yeah. plugs. <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> I'm on at philodendleon, P-H-I-L-O-D-E-N-L-E-O-N. Uh, you can DM me anytime I respond very well to be honest like uh, you don't have to be afraid just be nice be nice have etiquette have yes. proper proper DMing etiquette <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> alright thank you Leon thank you for your time and thank you for the knowledge thank you thank you for having me thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired if you enjoyed what you heard thus far do give us a follow on Instagram and don't forget to share and subscribe Stay tuned for the next episode.